Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa. We are now going to be affiliated with the inaugural launch of the Hockey Writers Podcast page over at thehockeywriters.com. We're talking with J.D. Styles from Cali Sports News, reporting live from the Stanley Cup Final. And today we're being joined by the first general manager in Las Vegas franchise history, George McPhee. With Pat Quinn... You know, I'm likely the finest man I've ever met in my life. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Clint Malarczyk. There's something about George McPhee that everybody says is a good pick. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Dana Lane, play-by-play voice of the UNLV Rebel Hockey Team and owner of Dana Lane Sports. Joining us now is Matt Pryor of thehockeywriters.com. He's coming to us from the Dallas Stars training camp. Hello, hockey fans. Welcome once again to another episode of the Vegas Hockey Podcast, episode 85. We're creeping up. Up towards 100. I mean, a couple years ago, that I never would have thought we would have got to where it is. Uh, both the listeners were uh, tuning in every week, keeping our keeping our numbers, stats rising steadily. And fun and, and thank everybody for that. I'm joined as always by my co-host Chris Lisa Alden. He's uh, Islanders writer, fan site website. Make sure you're at the NL King. On Twitter, Chris. Good day to you, sir. So, uh, you know, we're getting uh, we're getting a game six tomorrow night, Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, the expansion draft uh, protection lists are a week away. The NHL draft's 13 days away. Uh, and then NHL free agency is like three weeks away. So, uh, a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. Busy. There's only two games left in the season to get super busy for us. Yeah, that's for sure. I, I, I tell you, this series, uh, I, I have not had a good feeling of going into each game, what to expect. And uh, last night was no exception. Um, I, I hmm. feel like the, the Preds are go, going to – tomorrow is actually the first time I, I, I feel like I know how it's going to go. Uh, in terms of the Preds being 9-1 and at home and forcing a Game 7, but maybe that's wishful thinking on my part because I said from the start, uh, you know, obviously neither one of the teams are my teams. I've been pulling for the Predators, have a new team win, but the thing I was pulling for more, most was a, a Game 7. Yeah, well, you know, last week it was uh, out of a whitewash in Pittsburgh on the Predators, and uh, you know, the three of us, Dana included, really weren't giving the Preds too much of a shake. Um, I remember talking about, uh, you know, if if the Penguins went into Game 
three in, in, in Nashville and scored an early goal in the first 10 minutes. And if Penguins after that time and the crowd was taken, the Predators. And you know what? It's funny exactly what, what happened. Pittsburgh jumped in that game three. Uh, it proved us wrong as, as prognostic. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and and then the next, let's say, 80 minutes of hockey there in the series owned by the Nashville Predators. Um, it it really was, uh, you know, as as one, I won't say as one sided as the play was in Pittsburgh, but as one sided as the scoreboard was in Pittsburgh. Um, the same result came out of the next two games in Nashville, and you know, as you were saying, we didn't really have a good feeling on what was going on in the series. I was talking with you yesterday before the game, and I said, well, I think Nashville punched him in the mouth, and I don't, I wasn't sure how Pittsburgh was going to respond going into the, going into the game. Um, and I thought Nashville had a really good chance and Pecorini to break that goose egg that he had in Pittsburgh. And, well, we, we saw what happened there. I, if, well, I was actually at a restaurant with my parents who were in town for my – my daughter's eighth grade valedictorian speech and graduation ceremonies, which she killed her speech, by the way. Um, and we were out at the restaurant and they had a couple, couple of TVs above the sushi bar that had the hockey game on, uh, another sign of the hockey culture change here in Las Vegas. And we got in and sat down and it was five, nothing. So I think I sent you a quick message that said so much for my prediction on that game. Yeah, I was a, I was a bit surprised. I mean, you know, Rennie has not fared well in Pittsburgh, but the whole team is. Uh, I mean, Pittsburgh really just dominated that game from start to finish, and you know, the, the puck position and, and and keeping the shots down and all those good things that uh, Nashville had done uh, and prior to that. Even the the other games in Pittsburgh, you know, it wasn't meant to be. I figured that Pittsburgh was going to have a big effort. I saw that in Game 7 against the Capitals where a lot of people were kind of like, well, maybe this is the time for the Capitals that they are going to finally slay the Dragon. And Pittsburgh came up after that initial wave the first few minutes with a, with a very big effort. So, you know, now it's up to the Preds to respond. And we've seen this, Mark. We have seen in these playoffs numerous times where a team got blown out and come back and win the next game. Obviously, the little... Absolutely. Uh, what status? What the status is on Ryan Ellis is a big question mark. Um, Nashville needs him uh, these last two games. Uh, well, hopefully, left for them last two games. Uh, but we have seen a number of teams come back. And interesting to note too, if Nashville wins on Sunday to put it, you know, Game Seven in Pittsburgh, you know, obviously the home team would have won um, every game in this series. And I only know this by happenstance, because uh, uh, believe it or not, in the 2001-2002 uh, NHL, first round of the NHL playoffs, the the New York Islanders, then coached, ironically, by Peter Laviolette, uh, faced off against the Leafs, and the home team won the first six games. So the Islanders were trying to break the ice, if you will, in Game 7 on the road, and in all the years of the NHL, when the series played out that way, it only had happened about one or two times that the road team 
if the home team held serve the first six games, that the road team was able to win game seven. So, you know, obviously Nashville has to get there first, but uh, I'm, I expect uh, their crowd to, uh, to, to, to bring their A++ game, and, uh, you know, I'm hoping for game seven. Yeah, I'm thinking that's the way it's going to go, but like I just said, I've been wrong uh, about, about this series. Um, I do. I, w- I will toot, toot our own horn a little bit uh, when we did our season preview show. Um, I did have Nashville winning the division and coming forward out of of uh, the Central. So uh, I had a little bit of prognosticators luck early on in the game, but I didn't have them going to the Stanley Cup final. So full disclosure, full disclosure. Um, we had a little a little bit of. Uh, news in the golden knights camp that i want to get to but we'll talk more in depth with that with with dana when he gets on they're starting to fill out their coaching staff this week um let me see i just had it pulled up there for a second ryan craig was hired as an assistant coach this week and mike kelly as well so we'll get into that that a little bit more with dana um just just starting to come together. All the pieces are starting to fall in place. Like you said, I will be at the expansion draft slash sports awards show over at the T-Mobile um, Twenty on the 21st. That looks to be a good time. Uh, we're going to do a show. I think we decided on, on the next day to run down everything that happened with that. We'll have to have Dana in for the full full hour in that episode and break uh, down all. I thought we said that the, our, our... Our usual Saturday show. Okay, okay, yeah. That that week we'll do our expansion draft breakdown. But right. uh, next week, next week we have our our entry draft breakdown. Yes. Uh, go ahead and mock, preview uh, that. Yeah, preview that for us yeah. because that's always a fun show. Yeah, it's our third annual mock uh, 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 draft preview show. You, of course, sir, will be the master of ceremonies. Myself along with uh, Zach Devine of the Hockey Writers, Hockey Profits, Dobler Pro, uh, Prospects, and Mark Scheig of the Hockey Writers. We'll, we'll be doing the selections. We're going to do the first 15 picks, so I, I think Zach is picking one, Mark is, uh, Scheig's picking two, I'm picking three, and then we'll you know, do that same order uh, through, through pick 15. Um, so I am responsible for the Golden Knights selection in that in that show it's a fun show It'll be probably right around the 90 minutes we'll, we'll you know it's uh going to be the same time next week next saturday the 17th if I my dates correct uh it's going to be starting at 11 a.m sharp pacific time 2 p.m eastern time and we're gonna we're gonna get down and dirty with it right off the top so we have plenty of time to uh, slice and dice uh each selection and what, you know, in really studying uh, for that show, uh, for this draft, this this past week, what I can tell you is this draft is not getting its fair shake. This is, I'm not going to tell you that there's going to be a lot of superstars to come out of this draft. What I will tell you is I, I firmly believe there are going to be a lot of good players coming out of this draft. And uh, you know, I started putting put together my big board for the show, and I have it. It's done. I have 17 players basically on four tiers, on the first four tiers. Just give myself a little wiggle room. 
And I can tell you this, that at pick 15, where the New York Islanders are at, which I'm also going to be selecting for, they're going to have a really good choice of about three or four guys. And when you can make that kind of statement, um, it says a lot about that given draft. So that's good news for the NHL. More kids coming. Again, if you compare, you know, there is, I'd be shocked if someone winds up being Austin Matthews or um, Connor McDavid or, uh, you know, Jack Eichel or, you know, players of that level. But there's going to be a lot of really good players out of this draft. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I know the boys, uh, Zach and, and, and Mark Scheig, are, are really excited. It's the second year in a row we've had Mark uh, Scheig uh, do it. And, you know, Zach knows the prospects as good as anyone. So uh, uh, I'm, and the last point about the draft, what really interests me is, obviously it's a big debate going on. Who goes number one? Is it Nico Hersler? Is it Nolan Patrick? What do the Devils do? The Flyers, it's a pretty easy draft for them, right? They're going to select whoever the Devils don't out of those two. But then really right. from pick three, three on through 15, it's it's going to be a guessing game at each selection. You know, the last couple of years, you're like, all right, you know, uh, you know, so-and-so is going to go here and so-and-so is going to go there. And, you know, if someone was picked maybe one spot early, oh, wow, look at that. Or someone flipped back like last year, keep the chuck flip back an extra spot. Oh, wow. This year, you know, you could have a guy uh, like a Michael Rasmussen who could wind up going uh, as high as fourth, or he could wind up being picked by the Kings at 11. So I think it's, if you're, uh, you know, most uh, hockey fans, as you know, Mark, are hockey junkies. So this is going to be right up their alley. It's going to be really interesting to see how, how this uh, shakes out. So I, I think it's a real fun, exciting draft. I I agree with you, and then you can throw in the fact that the the Knights are going through their first draft, and they're going to be, yep. you know, between between the uh, the expansion draft and the entry draft. I I look for that to be a very busy time because, I mean, George McPhee's already been on record as saying that that he's he's open to to making deals with anybody that if they want him to select a player for them, then he'll, he'll listen to, uh, he'll listen to anybody. And if someone wants to give him a two or a three or a couple threes or, or what have you to select a player in the expansion draft and then turn right around and, and swing him uh, off the very next day in a deal for draft picks, uh, the Knights low, you know, local interest, um, I'm hoping they end up with, let's say, in the 10 to 12 pick category with maybe picking up another first, definitely a, a three or four more seconds, and hopefully the same three or four more thirds with with uh, all the deals that McPhee, you know, he's in the cap, he's in the catbird seat right now. He's wheeling and dealing, and everybody's got to come to him. So there's already yeah, been. I, I agree. Go ahead. I agree with I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think he will definitely listen to everybody and say, especially before the expansion draft, from the standpoint of saying, "Hey, we're hoping you don't take this player." All right, well, I won't. Uh, I can work with you on that, but for that, I'm going to need, you know, this prospect and this draft pick or uh, one of those two. So I think those kind of deals he will load up. 
second and third round picks. And then depending, you know, there's a lot of teams, as you know, Mark, that need defense, defensive depth, that they're, you know, to fill out their second Absolutely. Pairing. You know, and good teams, good teams too, like Edmonton and Toronto, uh, to name a couple off the top of my head. So that is going to be the strength of this draft. So it, he will, you know, now I don't know if he'll be able to get, you know, maybe he'll be able to get a first-round pick if we're talking late in the first round kind of thing. Uh, but again, he will be able to take a player like that, and, and not just you know, not just from the standpoint of draft picks, but really good prospects. Like uh, I'll give you a guy, and I'm not just saying this because of the Long Island connection, but you know, for instance, the Blue Jackets, for whatever reason, have gotten has gotten a little bit sour on. I think it was 2013 first round pick Sonny Milano, kid with a lot of talent who's still really young. I think he's only 21, 22. Uh, guy like that, if they could work out a deal with Columbus and acquire a young kid like that, especially at the board position, uh, which we said is going to be challenging to find goals. Uh, I don't believe these rumors, and you can expand on this, of uh, that the King, uh, King that the um, the Knights are going to take on a bunch of bad contracts, and, uh, you know, for first-round picks. I'm not going to take on a player who has a bad cap number for the next four or five years to get the, whatever, 18th pick or the 15th, you know, 14th pick in the draft. I just don't see that happening. I don't. George McPhee said to us on the show and and publicly a few times that he's not really interested in that. But there were some reports this week that he would be willing to listen um, to to teams that would leave a a player unprotected. And I'll just use the Kings in, as an as an example. And let's say Dustin Brown. Um, bad contract, bad term. Uh, I think universally agreed. Not a bad player, but no. underperforming underperforming his contract. If the Kings wanted to give Mr. McPhee the 11th pick in exchange for the commitment to take Dustin Brown off the roster, what That's would not, you? I think I would make That's that deal enough. if I was McPhee. You don't think so? I would. No, it's it's too many years. And I'm not trying to pick on Dustin Brown. I think he's a really good player. No, for sure. Uh, but I think he's I think he's 31 years of age, okay? The way he's played, okay, uh, this is a, there's two concerns. One, he's probably a $3.5 million player, uh, give or take, with almost a $6 million cap hit. So that's problem number one. Problem number two okay. is the, the style he's played, uh, do I think over the next two years that he can play? You know, he's actually had a, a good year last year playing that physical style, but I would really worry about where his game's at the last three years of the contract. And, you know, uh, granted, no one is saying that the Golden Knights the first couple of years are going to be a Stanley Cup contender uh, or, you know, or even year three. But as as they get past the first couple of years, they're going to want to be moving forward. So they're not going to want to be straddled with any player who is, you know, uh, I don't want to use the term dead weight, but a real cap problem for multiple years heading into year three. I just don't see that. If you told me that there's a player out there who has two years to go on his deal, that's a terrible cap number, and 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 they're offering the Knights their first-round pick, and granted, their pick could be in the middle of the draft. I'd say, okay, I can see that scenario, you know, for a two-year situation. Uh, but four and five years, that, that doesn't make, that does not make sense to me. And I've seen all kind of, 
crazy stuff. Oh, they're going to get Mark Stoll, the Rangers, and they're going to get Dustin Brown, and they're going to get, you know, this guy, and they're going to get that guy. I'm like, wait a minute. You know, they're going to have like $40 million of cap space uh, <laughs> on these, uh, on these, you know, I, I, I would be very surprised. And, and quite frankly, I don't, I don't think that is enough. If, if he was going to make such a deal, he would say, you want me to really think about a deal like that? I'm going to need your the, the 11th pick uh, this year, and I'm going to need your first next year. And there's no way, uh, if you're any you're the Kings, who may not even make the playoffs next year, I mean, they didn't this year, can't assume that, um, that you could do that deal. I mean, because they need to get, get younger. So I would be very surprised if we saw those deals. Now, again, if you find me a player that has two years to go, that is, a, uh, you know, playing in the NHL but a bad cap number, I, I could see that. But anything more than two years, you know, so you could take, uh, you know, the, the Capricks and, uh, you know, the, the yeah. Browns and the Mark Stalls and the Dan Girardis, and there's a number of players like that. I, 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 I don't see it. I, I, so you, you're focused on term as, I mean, as far as that specific example goes as being the hang up on, on a deal like that. Two first rounds though. Um, I would, I'm not sure what value the first round pick. I think you'd have to wait to do that deal until, well, can't be done at the draft. Obviously the players will already be taken. So, I mean, if you have your eye, if, if the, if, if you're George McPhee and, and the scouts and your, and your scouting staff have a player pegged, let's say between let's, let's just throw 11 to 18 and they have a player that they really have rated high on their board uh, in that slot that they think could be, let's say, develop into a, a 25 goal, 50 point guy on the right wing for the next 10 years. And you have to eat $6 million in cap space for two or three years on the term to make that deal. Um I well, two think it's that's what I'm saying on on term is your term is your limiting factor yeah. and I think that probably would be for Mr. McPhee as well because once you turn the corner on year four and or year three and you're heading into year four and you're heading into year five your your owner has publicly said that you will be competing it for the playoff spots in year three so if if you're if you're if you've saddled the team and then there's no guarantee the salary caps going up either in the next few years. It's flat. Right, this right. Year. And depending on, and right. on the escrow, you're not going to get this imaginary cap relief of, okay, I, I'll take him for his $5.8 million hit in year four, because by then it's really only going to be a net right. loss of one, $1.8 million because there's no guarantee that caps going up. That's another, another concern that, that Mr. McPhee's going to, the, the uncertainty of the salary cap and where it's going to be at that point is another as to, to your point sir um is is another concern yeah, that you don't I, have go ahead no while it hasn't been announced yet um the word is that the cap is probably going to remain flat maybe maybe i think the, the the big upside is maybe if it goes up let's say a million but, you, but for all intents and purposes it has remained flat and as we've said uh, numerous times the salaries keep going up and up and up so uh, actually, of the if he was going to make a deal 
of those of the Kings players, I think it would be more Gabrick, even though he's more of an injury concern, because it's one last year on the term, I believe. I think he has four more years to go, and his cap hit is a, uh, is about a million dollars less, and he could provide something to the King. Uh, the King keep saying the King. The Knights could definitely use early on, and that is scoring if he's healthy. But again, I think that's just too many years. And, and quite honestly, from a, that would definitely help the. From uh, the King standpoint, to get ri- get rid of a bad contract, but at the same token, they really need that eleventh pick and that young blood into their organization too. So uh, they do they really need that, that that young player. That, they're going to get a really good player at that spot. Uh, in, in in doing my analysis, uh, you know, again, it's not going to be you know, and it's it's going to take a year or two for that player to come up to the Kings, but they're going to get a really good player in that spot. So. Again, I think he'll be, you know, to me at the end of the day, uh, you know, we keep, we always talk about the first round and let's face it, the first round's a lot more sexier and all that jazz. But if I'm McPhee, I would much rather uh, not be saddled with bad contracts and then accumulate a bunch of picks in the second and third round, as you mentioned before, and, and go that route and, and say, you know what, if I just have one pick in the first round, so be it. And, um, that's what I. That is what I envision him, uh, envision him doing. But we'll see. We'll uh, uh, we'll see how that plays out. But uh, yeah, I, I I would be very surprised if he did that. To your Gabrick point, I don't want to belabor the Kings uh, too much. Think the extra year would entice me, just because I've watched Kings hockey. And one thing no one can, can ever take away from it is for every shift he's on the ice. The fact that he's a two-time Stanley Cup champion captain of that squad. And those two character traits you don't find in Marion Gabbard. He is the, he's the guy that can... He's a guy that can take shifts. Um, I, I, for for those reasons, I wouldn't. I wouldn't see Gabrick being very enticing. Just to specific. Yeah, like player, I said, we'll have to. I I, I still we'll think to, the young division off the uh, Kings is going to be the way Jordan McPhee goes. Yeah, he's going to load up on defense because that's like I said, that's the strength of the strap. Um, he's going to load up on defense and then uh, and then look to trade uh, some of those defensemen uh, and acquire, you know, prospects who are in the NHL on different teams that are ready for their opportunity now or, or are going to be ready sometime next season and draft picks. So uh, you got to keep in mind, uh, after the expansion draft, there was, there's still a franchise that's going to have basically no farm system. So, uh, even if they have 10 or 12 picks in this draft, they don't want to build up that farm system, if you will. So uh, that is definitely going to happen. He is going to uh, accumulate those picks and, and some and some prospects, uh, uh, you know, hopefully for, from that standpoint. So, you know, we'll have to, like I said, it's, got, it's definitely uh, definitely an interesting and fun time. I guess, uh, it'll be, it seems like what's going on, uh, and maybe everyone's literally waiting until the end of next week, right before the expansion draft, to pull the triggers. Uh, but it seems to me that the league 
would like those deals not to be announced until after the Cup Finals. So I, I wonder if this, if the Finals ends tomorrow versus Wednesday, will that have an impact of when we start seeing announcements on some trades? I think it's I think it's coming super quick. Um, yes, well, definitely next week. The, uh, yeah, it's it's been a long time coming. Twenty. 2015 and even though I drive by the arena way to work now and I you know around town when I'm out and about if nights hat and the guy in the restaurant across from me he has his Vegas night shirt on we'll just look give give him a little nod and a wink and uh, all, all of all of Mr. Foley's best laid plans coming to fruition I, I to go back just a little bit i really like the coach um i think galan is going to do a great be a good fit um mr kelly they've worked together before in florida so i think there's the familiarity coaching staff um, you have a, a young guy who you know retired to take the position in ryan uh so he's he's you know one season removed from the bench is going to be the probably the guy who interacts most and relates to the young players that they're going to get. I, I just, you know, franchise has, has, I don't hit the ball out of the park. Um, it's hard. The, the, it's hard to franchise from what they were as nothing they are now and pick that you could say, man, I would, they hadn't done that. What are they thinking about with that? Why, why would they do that? Um, Cirque du Soleil, the local thing for the game entertainment. Um, the hiring of McPhee and, and McCrim and, and the rest of the front office staff. It's one of the most experienced talent front offices in all of the National Hockey League. And for, to have that group, the fresh slate, uh, with no, no issues, no culture, no, you know, a hungry, fresh to jump into what's the largest media reach of our TV deal in all of the National Hockey League. Um, just can't see a step they've taken that is, is a bad step forward. I, can you remember you were looking at it? And the proof is going to be in the pudding here in the next couple of weeks. Um, you know, it's the get off the pot phrase. It's time. I, I can't think of a bad step they've taken. Um, I don't know about you. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I like what I've seen so far. And I think they've been very measured and very patient and, uh, uh, and they're very experienced, and they 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 know this is not going to be something that just happens uh, overnight. Uh, obviously, they're going to want to assemble uh, a strong squad uh, as quickly as they can. But uh, at the same token, uh, they know you you know they're going to have to do the things the right way. So I expect them to do that. Uh, the fact that they're in the Pacific uh, versus any of the other divisions, I think, uh, is a huge plus for them as well uh, in terms of that happening a little bit quicker, in my opinion. Um, so I, I think I, I think 
this is going to be a fun, uh, fun thing, and I think uh, McPhee is going to—they're going to have a fun competitive team the first couple of years, and be building up the organization at the same time. So that's what I expect out of the Knights uh, uh, early on. Let's uh, go ahead and bring in our resident Golden Knights expert, the play-by-play voice of the Rebel Hockey, owner of Dana Lane Sports, co-host of the Vegas Hockey Hotline on 1400, Monday through Friday, 1 to 2. Dana Lane, good day to you, sir. Hey, how are you guys? We're doing really good. We're doing really good, sir. Uh, before we get to the good. Stanley Cup final, um, the – the Knights are starting to fill out their coaches, sir. What uh, what are your thoughts on the, the assistant coach hirings this week? Well, I'm good with it. I mean, uh, of course, Mike Kelly was the first assess- assistant hired, and, and he worked with uh, Gerard Gallant before in Florida. And, of course, they worked together uh, as well in St. John, so they know each other quite well. I think I do – I would rather have some – familiarity and and two guys on the same page on the bench and then of course ryan craig also was hired this week and he's going from directly from the cleveland monsters to the coaching position and i think you know with all his injury issues and uh, the fact that he's had a relationship with kelly mccrimmon and had a relationship with Kerry Bulbols, i think that made it easy for him to join the staff and the fact of the matter is i i love to have a young guy in the staff that could be potentially the future. I, I think you have a good mix of coaches behind the bench. Uh, and I think, um, you know, so far so good. Now I know that there was some talk about, you know, potentially having Mike Foligno be a assistant coach. Uh, we were all kind of shocked a little bit that he would, you know, go from an assistant to a scout, but I'm sure, you know, Mike's pretty, is, obviously it looks like Mike's happy in his role and, it doesn't look like that he'll be part of that coaching staff. But so far, so good. I, I, I There has not been too many hires where I, I would put the uh, the question mark on it. So I think that they've, they've done a good job, and I think George McPhee has done a good job. And uh, I think it's all uh, it's it's ready to roll in October as good as it possibly could have been. Yeah, I was just talking with with uh, Chris before you came on, and we, we were uh, – I mean, we were looking back looking forward i mean it it it's upon us now dana and i i really have a hard time thinking uh since february 2015 to today where this franchise has put a wrong foot forward in in any of their decisions can you can you remember anything that you just shook your head and it's like okay i don't get that one i don't understand that at all i really can't well, honestly remember no, not really. Um, I think the jury's out on a one or maybe two that I would kind of say, eh, really? Okay, well, let's see how that fits in. Um, you know, names that I won't put out there publicly. But sure. um, for the most part, I, I think for me, uh, because I always answer questions honestly, I always, um, I think for me it was kind of time frames, And I think that there has been – chunks of time where I thought, you know, this sticks for kids thing was great, but I thought, you know, maybe we could have fast forward that a little bit and maybe you want to have people in place to be able to present that properly. And I get that sort of stuff, but you know, this to me was been such a long process that while you were waiting for this process to come to a conclusion, perhaps that sort of stuff could have been already in place. But for that being said, I, 
uh, you know, I don't think anybody's going to sit there and and say, well, you know, they should have done this and should have done that. I, I just, my only fear is that when you have time and you have time to yourself, which they did, this is a, been a down year for rebel basketball. It was a, you know, with, you know, rebel football is what it is right now. Um, <laughs> I just thought when you had the community and the sports section to yourself, that that was a time to really take advantage of it. But, you know, really since the hiring of Eric, Eric Tosi from the Boston Bruins, I thought that they have done a great job um, as far as promoting the team and as far as stabilizing the business side of the organization. Prior to that, there was a lot of question marks, but post post OC, I think they've done a great job. You know what? That's a fair criticism and a, and a, and a very good point because I've I've been – that's the one thing where people in the community have reached out to us and <coughs> excuse me and and wanted to know why we didn't see more Vegas Knights billboards or banners on the sides of buses back, you know, 12 months ago at the start of, you know, last season we uh with the sticks for kids things and and the youth hockey outreach was always something that's going to play a pivotal role in this franchise's growth and and financial viability and I, I, it's funny because way back before in June of 2015, I got to talk with Mr. Foley a little bit and at one of the meet and greets. And I asked him then, we, you have the guarantee on the season ticket sales where if you're not playing hockey in the 2016-17 season, uh, that was the expected time frame. And my, mm-hmm. I, I asked him, I said, okay, if, if that doesn't work out, how are you going to maintain the excitement in the community with whole year between the 2017 2016-17 tip-off and he said he wanted to maintain you know a lot of fanfare about all of the move moves and and community development and make sure it was the public eye but, but i think what, what the, i think it's a fair criticism the mystery, that uh bringing in the guy from boston since that time it's been a whole lot, lot better so maybe you know they heard the the voice in the community responded and i'd like you said the sticks for kids is we need more of that um when they get that facility open next to red rock there um they got to bring it in and and start up new leagues um partnering with our is a great move for for the youngsters and i i think that's a fair point let's uh i'm gonna well, bring in chris Go ahead. Go I'm ahead. sorry. I, I just wanted to add, too, from this standpoint as well, I mean, from this time frame, a couple things that I would like to see happen. I know that if I was the owner of this team and I drove down Interstate 15 North and to my left I saw Raider billboards don't yeah. uh, basically uh, staking their claim to the land that they will be building on, I would make sure – uh, it, it, this I would just put a billboard up with the logo on it. That's all I would do. I, and I would say we're here too because uh, as far as signage is concerned, there's really not a lot of competition uh, between the two. Uh, honestly, I don't think the Raiders and the Golden Knights are going to have any issue finding their uh, finding their way in this town. Um, but if I was Bill Foley, I would want to put some billboards up saying that we're here too. If the logo is going to be the face to your team, which is the, the best line that I've heard George McPhee say uh, so far when, when asked about getting a 
a face for the for the franchise who said well the logo is going to be our face for the franchise and you know and i i said well that's a great line and i think that that should be the line for years to come no matter who plays on the, on this team the logo should always be the face of your franchise absolutely that's nice and and i mean the t-mobile arena as as nice as it is on the plaza side if you're going up 15 north it's sandwiched between the bellagio parking garage or the the city center parking garage and new york new york and it you could drive right by it and and just Put really not more. notice it um and that i mean uh, to your point about signage get your signage on the back side of that building for the freeway that's i mean that's the yeah, prime I mean, spot. We know- we we know that's an MGM thing, and they are, you know, they're definitely looking at this thing as they are a tenant, as is the UFC. So that thing is going to move a little bit slower. But I've said this for a year: when people drive by Interstate 15, they need to put something up on that west side of the building, saying this is the home of the Golden Knights, and it's just not there. And I I love that arena. But that side of the arena is my only criticism. It's, there should be something there that grabs yep. people's attention. And right now, it, it, that side of the arena doesn't grab anybody's attention. Not at all. I couldn't agree more. Let me bring in Chris. Let's get on to some Stanley Cup final talk. Um, Chris? Hey, Dana. Great to have you back. Uh, hey, Chris. Got a couple questions for you. Um, me and Mark actually did not touch on this subject which is, I think, uh, an important one, one we've talked about in the past. So uh, in Game 5, with the scrum between Crosby and Subban, when Crosby was banging Subban's head on the ice a couple of times, uh, one, do you have a problem that Crosby didn't get a penalty called on him? Two, do you have a problem that the league is like, oh, that's fine. You know, other people get reviewed for suspensions, but it's, it's fine. And three... If that was Sidney Crosby's head getting banged on the ice, That's right. how would, it, oh. would things have played out uh, differently? So uh, why don't you break that down for us? Well, Chris, I mean, you know my feelings on that. I think <laughs> league when it comes – I mean, we, we spent – I swear to God, we uh, on Wednesday we had a whole show planned out on Vegas Hockey Hotline, and then I brought up the, the subject of, of the no calls right from the beginning of, of the, the opening faceoff, and we spent 45 minutes on that. I mean, the league has got to get this thing under control. You can you can tell me all you want. It's postseason and it's the Stanley Cup final, and that's fine. But the fact of the matter is, no matter take away the names or take away the names off the back of the jerseys, you cannot have somebody taking somebody's head and pushing it down into the ice four four times. I counted, and you know that that to me is just I understand tough playoff hockey, and I get that. But to me, that is bordering on dangerous. And the minute that you bring your sport over that line and you make it dangerous, I think that you are taking away credibility from the sport. And and we've seen it, you know, from Crosby. We've seen it to Crosby. Apparently, spearing is allowed. Um, you know, to me, there has been a lot of things this year. When you look at the Department of Player Safety videos and you see their explanation and then you compare it to what other people are getting – there, there is absolutely no rhyme or reason. There's no, um, you know, there, there's nothing to compare it to. It seems like they, they just kind of go on a whim or a gut feeling based upon, you know, the time of year and who it is and uh, the two teams involved. But 
to completely, I mean, if the, if the puck doesn't go over the glass or there's not too many men on the ice, they just refuse to blow the whistle. And I, I understand letting these guys go and playing. I, I get that part. But I don't want to injure my stars, and I don't want this game to be dangerous because I don't think that's a correct, correct representation of what this sport's about. And also, you brought up a good point indirectly, I think. You know, if this series goes seven, it makes you wonder what is it going to take to get a penalty called for either side. Yeah, I mean, hey, look, uh, here's the other thing, too. If you're allowing all this tapping to go on, and, you know, it's funny, too, because it's it's almost like slashing and tapping and driving people's heads into the ice has replaced fighting. And I guess that they wanted to take the fighting out of the game, and players found a way to be physical in other ways. And, you know, you could say, well, we want our best players on the ice, and we want to let them want to let them play and, and decide the game. And I get that. And that's true. But let's not also forget that you're about two months away, two and a half months away from camps opening up again. And do you want these players to be less than a hundred percent starting out your season next year? I mean, there's, there's a price to pay. I guess you got to just determine when you want to pay it. But honestly, this has gone too far and it's getting dangerous out there. And I don't want your, I don't want superstars out at any point in time but I also don't want a league that is afraid to uh, afraid to blow its whistles or, or you know put teams on the power plays too much or have series divide, uh, decided by the power play. You know, to me, there there are rules in in the book, and you can push them out a little bit further if you want because of the significance of the event. But certainly, uh, you know, slashing and and hooking and all those calls, I, I you know we we've seen where a cross-check penalty, you have to cross-check somebody three times. I think it was James Neal that had three cross-checks before they called one. And to me, that's just not doing your job, and that's not that's doing a disservice to the game. Well, I just Neil, saw that for the first time. Me. What bothers me about that play, and I'm, and, I'm look, and I'm looking at it right now, um, they were going behind the net, good hockey play. Uh, the hit, Crosby just grabs Subban, throws him on the ice, and the right. referee skates in from the corner and is standing right next to it and doesn't do anything to break it up until they get back to their feet and Subban has Crosby in the headlock. Then the, the referee who was right there is still doing nothing. But when Subban got Crosby into the headlock, that was when the other two referees come down the ice to stop the infraction. That That's a problem for me. I can't tell you how many times that I've seen uh, replays of, in this postseason where you'd sit there and say, well, how did they miss that? And not only how did they miss that, but in the, the actual replay that you're looking at, you can see the referee standing right there Skate right in. staring at Absolutely. it and still not. And, and, and look, at it, look at it from this standpoint. I remember, remember when John Scott made the all-star team hundred percent. I love it. Right. Somebody from the league called him and said, look, John, yep. you, you know, you're not an all-star. You don't deserve it. What is your kids going to think? Blah, blah, blah. Well, that to me always stuck with me because that really shows that there is an underbelly to this league where you would have somebody trying to convince him not to go. Now, if there was an underbelly, of this league to convince somebody not to go to an all-star game, you can imagine 
what that would look like when they want the referees to call a certain a certain a game a certain way. I mean, we saw in the NBA playoffs last the NBA finals last night. I mean, the Cleveland Cavaliers lived on the free throw line. And to me, it's I don't know who's making these phone calls, and I don't know who's suggesting um, that referees keep the whistles in their pockets. But it, it is it is not just a crew. It is playoff wide. So you have to have your head in the sand if you don't think somebody from the league said, look, we don't want this to be a power play fest. Keep your, keep your whistles in your pocket and don't use them unless you have to. Um, again, that, that is not representing the league and that is not representing the rules of the league because honestly, I mean, if there was, um, if this was the way that you were going to call your league all year long, I mean, you would have these teams that were more physical have more success. But all of a sudden, well, that's we get no the playoffs, and somebody made a call saying, "Hey, look, this is the way we want things called." And, and I just don't think that that's uh, within the spirit of what this league should be about. Well, for, first well, of all, I'll tell you what it, I'll tell you what his kids thought. Um, his kids saw their dad go to the All Star game, score a couple goals, get an assist, and win the MVP. That's what his kids thought right. about it. Um, and to bring someone's family into something like that in in an no, already questionable phone call is is uh, I'll tell you what if John Scott had that guy on the other end of the line on the ice that dude would be missing a couple teeth that's the that's the bottom line you don't bring and to his credit and his response to that was so classy and so so you know dignified um, even more to his credit of how he handled himself that week I will defend that. Uh, Mr. Scott going to that all-star game until the end of time. Um, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, I was just going to put a bow on this. Uh, I don't think I'm out of line in saying both on the ice and in the NHL offices that number 87, Cindy Crosby, gets preferential treatment, and he knows it and takes advantage of it. Uh, uh, so that's just my feeling on, on the matter as well. So, so Dana, we're headed Correct. into game six now. Uh, obviously, Ryan Ellis' status which we probably won't know the way that the teams are in the NHL today, or all teams are in the NHL and the NFL, that is, about injuries. Probably won't know it's almost game time when he's in or if he's out. But uh, Nashville's been 9-1 and one at home, very dominant. Um, how do you see game six? Do you think we're going get to get a seventh game? Yeah, I, the last I got on Ryan Ellis is that he was probable – uh, that was reported by TVA Sports, so he was probable to play in Game Six. So, you know, it, probable to me means he's going to play. Um, hey, look, I, I'm a, I've been, you know, every show I've been telling you that the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to win the Stanley Cup. We've been talking about that forever, but, um, I, you know, can I buck a trend where they won nine out of ten at Bridgestone Arena? Uh, do I think Pecorino is going to come back with a much better effort? And and the answers are uh, no, I can't buck a trend. And yes, I think Rene is going to be uh, much better than he was. And let's not forget, you know, he allowed two goals in two games against the Penguins at Bridgestone earlier in this, in this, uh, in this series. And the other thing too is, you know, there have been three games in this postseason that have been de- de- decided by six goals. Every single time a team has lost by six goals, they have come back to win uh, the next game. Now, you don't get to this point in the, in the postseason without being mentally tough. So am I going to take what I just saw in game five and equate it to game six? Probably not. 
I'm probably going to be on the Nashville side just because that they just play a more energetic brand of hockey. I do know this. Um, they were much better up the Pittsburgh was much better up the middle. They got the puck in the, in the high and low slots probably as easily as they have uh, at any time during this playoff series. And Sidney Crosby was absolutely possessed. Um, you know, to me, they got to stop that inch entry pass. I thought they moved the puck much better out of their defensive end, uh, as good as they have in the playoffs. But uh, I think, you know, Nashville just says, look, you know, we, we stopped this team. This is, you know, we have the blueprint to stop in this team. We just kind of ran into a buzzsaw in Pittsburgh. Let's just do what we do. We're at home. I don't know who's singing the national anthem tonight. Maybe they rip out Garth Brooks. I think that's that would be uh, that would be the guy I would go to tonight if he was available. Yeah. But I, I, you're you're definitely going to see the best effort out of the Nashville Predators tonight. But uh, to me, they lose in Game Seven. So along those lines. Uh, what are the numbers on tonight's game, and where are you headed with your Saturday night special, sir? Well, Nashville's a dollar thirty. You can get that at some spots, a little bit higher in other spots. I think a dollar thirty was right around what it was uh, last time these two teams played at Bridgestone. So I think that's a fair price. Uh, I will be laying a dollar thirty with Nashville tonight, but I am going to go under. Or I'm sorry, I'm going to go over. You're getting a plus price. You can find that uh, at a couple offshore prices, uh, a couple uh, offshore places. You can also find that uh, here in Vegas and a couple different properties. Uh, I like the over in this. I think Nashville is going to come out with a vengeance. And the other thing is, too, um, even if you, even if Pittsburgh does win this game, the chances are that this game is going to go over because they're going to pull. They, I would assume that they pull whatever goaltender is in at that point. Uh, and then you could be looking at a couple empty net goals at the end, pushing this game over, uh, and you're getting plus money for that. So even if you split and Pittsburgh does happen to win the cup tomorrow night, uh, that plus money will make up for that amount, and you basically it will be a wash. Okay. I like the analysis. I like it. I like it. Uh, um, so – Next week, we're going to be doing our amateur draft mock draft special. But in two weeks, Dana, on the 24th, we're going to have a whole talk about I'll be I'll be seeing you Wednesday night, the 21st. I imagine I bump into you down there at T-Mobile at one point or another, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. OK, well, I mean, that's going to be a bus- that's going to be a busy week. We got the uh, the jersey unveil at uh, at uh, at Intrigue. And then uh, yes, sir. the the expansion draft and the award show, and uh, then uh, then we get the we get the list, and we all get to speculate and tell each other how we're wrong. And uh, I guess I, we'll, we'll then, come out the other side knowing who's going to be a golden knight. Uh, temporarily, I look for McPhee to maybe have some deals yes. in place to move some of those picks for for picks in the amateur draft as well. So um, let me get sure. you just real quick off the cuff, sir. Over under players picked in the expansion draft to players on the roster opening night. What's your over under on that? Oh, um, we'll go twenty. Go twenty. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm a, yeah, I'm gonna take the under. There might okay. be some of those guys that uh, ended up down in down in Chicago, but uh, I think. I don't know. I just have a feeling that as much as we're anticipating the the very next week, uh, 
to be just a whirlwind of trades as soon as the Stanley Cup final is over leading up to the 21st. Um, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll preface by just saying, you know, perhaps 10 players or so will be involved in some sort of a deal no matter when it, when it happens. I, I think, um, you know, you'll, you're going to have some deals uh, after the expansion draft. I mean, obviously uh, there is a freeze on any deals being made for three days. Uh, but then right. after that, uh, you know, I, I, after that, you can wheel and deal. Uh, you're probably right. I, I probably a little, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe tw- you know, twenty's a good number. Twenty-three range. Twenty's a good. Twenty's 20. a good number, sir. Yeah, I'm thinking twenty-three, twenty to twenty-three, something like that. There'll be some movement for sure. So Dana, we'll All right. have you back in two weeks. Uh, in two weeks, Dana, uh, on that Saturday show, the twenty-fourth, we're going to. At that point, uh, we'll know the Golden Knights roster from expansion. So we'll break that down as well as any trades that they've made before and after expansion as well as the first round of the draft the night before being the book. So we'll know that player as well. And So uh, you're going to be our main guest for that show and uh, help us break, uh, break it down. I am looking forward to it, and I appreciate your time. Thank you, sir. We've got about two minutes left, and I will definitely get a hold of you uh, over at the T-Mobile when we're down there, and uh, we'll have a beverage of we'll have to have a beverage of choice together at that night and toast the long, crazy trip that we've been on, sir. Yeah, that is going to be that is going to be a crazy week, and it's uh, going to start with the uh, with Def Leppard at the MGM, and it will culminate with knowing who's going to be at the, the uh, on the Golden Knights roster. So it's going to be crazy eight or nine days for me. All righty. So well, we will talk to you in a couple weeks. I'll be in touch in, in the interim for sure. But uh, 24th, everybody mark your calendars. It is the Golden Knights breakdown show. Um, Dana, I got to let you run. We've got two minutes left to go. I got to plug a couple other things. So, sir, as always, a great season talking hockey with you, and we will keep it up as far into the offseason as the Golden Knights require us to. Cool. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, Dana. Dana Lane, Dana Lane Sports. Make sure you follow Dana on Twitter at Dana Lane NHL uh, for all of his hockey content. He runs the gamut from the college hockey here in town through uh, Sportsbook Radio, 1400. Uh, we got about 90 seconds, Chris. Give me, give me your best plug, and we got to run. Well, my best plug is next week's show here at the Vegas Hockey Podcast, 11 a.m. Pacific. 2 p.m. Eastern, our annual mock draft show, Divine Moth Shy, myself picking, you, sir, master of ceremonies, asking the questions after the pick. Maybe a surprise or two, but we'll see. And uh, everyone uh, tune in for that. It's always, I think it's one of our most listened to shows all year. And obviously, check out this show and all our other shows on SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, Blog Talk Radio, also the Hockey Writers link. So, uh, check out the previous show recent. Yeah, there might be be some some news coming for a new platform, a new platform coming up for the, for next year. Uh, we'll break that out a little bit later on, but, uh, there was some exciting things going down here at the Vegas hockey podcast. Make sure you follow Chris on Twitter at the NHL King, follow the show at Vegas hockey pod on Twitter. And until next week, For Chris on Mark, we're gone.